Let's go ahead and, and pray, and uh, we'll share what's going on today in Matthew and, and the following passages we look at. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we just, um, we do run into your arms. Uh, we cry out that name, Jesus, Jesus, as we gather together in community. And um, Lord, as you just speak vision and encouragement into our church uh, to just uh, grow in being disciples and also discipling others, uh, Lord, we pray you give us open hearts, hearts to, to hear and to see. And um, Lord, I pray that uh, we wouldn't water down at all today what it means to be a disciple, but we'd speak the truth and, and we'd hear the truth. Uh, wherever our hearts want to justify um, the current status of discipleship in our life, we pray that the Spirit would just gently convict and gently spur us on to more and more loving you, loving others, and, and serving the church serving you, Lord, and um, let your words speak today. Uh, is, is Kevin's even going to come up and share a little bit, Lord? We just pray that you'd um, anoint him with the spirit of, of um, preaching and teaching, Lord, and um, Lord, that I know that he's just uh, burdened with a message from you today as well, and so we just want to have open ears, open hearts, and let the Holy Spirit speak. May Rory and Kevin fade away, and may just the heart of Jesus come out, um, and, and only Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is um, Discipleship Sunday, basically, and you might remember a year ago we had a Discipleship Sunday and we just presented some vision and some encouragement uh, for uh, some discipleship groups that would be taking place over the course of a year, and that year has pretty much uh, been up, and so we're going to uh, spend a little time um, just recognizing what's happened this year, um, and at the same time, uh, we want to look at the year ahead and what God wants to do in us uh, as disciples this year, and so we're going to be looking at some texts dealing with discipleship and community and um, and let the Lord speak to that today. So first of all, what is a disciple? Uh, someone's recently been saved in the community, and I've been talking to him a lot about, it's time to be disciple, and you're a disciple now. And, and um, sometimes just, you know, we start using Christianese words that not everybody understands. But disciple just basically means a learner. You know, I, I'm just a learner. I want to learn about Jesus. I want to follow a teacher. And as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he speaks forth this call to Christians, uh, or as we know it, a commission to make disciples. It says, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the ends of the age. So Jesus uh, calls us not only to be a, a learner and be a disciple, but also to go and to make disciples. And all throughout the gospels, Jesus is calling disciples and sending disciples. He calls people to stop what they're doing and to follow him. In Matthew chapter four, we read of the fishermen by the sea fishing and, and mending nets. And Jesus says, hey, stop fishing and let's go fish for men. Let's go make disciples. Hey, quit mending your nets and let's go mend men, you know? And, uh, and it says that immediately these guys would stop what they're doing and they would just follow Jesus. Lickety split, no questions asked. And that's really what a disciple should be. It's someone that uh, wants to follow Jesus at the drop of a hat and, and, uh, and, and be his learner 
Uh, we see in Luke chapter 14 that it's a radical call. It's a complete abandonment of a lifestyle, perhaps even leaving a job like the disciples left their nets or left their tax job like Matthew had or Levi had. And uh, certainly it's no different today. Uh, Luke 14, 25, we see that um, a great multitude was with Jesus, but he turned to them and he says, if anyone comes to me, now stop right there. Um, ask yourself right now, is this me? Okay, here I am Sunday morning, claiming to be a Christian. Um, do I count, is this me? Am, am I coming to Jesus? And probably at first, like everyone would be like, yeah, that's totally me. I'm, I'm anyone that would come to Jesus. I'm coming to Jesus today to worship him. Well, well, is this you then? If anyone comes to me, but does not hate his mother, his father, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, is that you? Okay, and we studied this last year. We know that to hate doesn't mean to like curse and stuff like we, but it means really to love less and to prefer, okay? You prefer Jesus over anything else in your life, even those deepest relationships that, um, that you might have. <clears throat> and it says, whoever, and there it is again, whoever, are you whoever today, does not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first, count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest afterward he's laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, and uh, all who see that begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or if you're a king and you go to war against another king, you don't sit down and consider if you're able with 10,000 to meet the enemy or, or with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So Jesus says these crazy things like, take up your cross. Sound pleasant? You know, in John chapter six, he had a multitude following him because he's multiplying fish and loaves. He's got the oasis of Galilee, you know, he's feeding the, the poor and the homeless. And, and he turns around, he says, you follow me right now because you want food in your belly. But I'm telling you right now, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood and consume me, let all of me be all of you, then you're not my disciple. And many people left and thought he was a weirdo. And Jesus turned to his disciples and says, are you guys gonna leave me also? Peter says, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've come to know that you are the Christ. You know, these sayings like take up your cross, die daily, eat my body, drink my blood. Man, if you're Jesus's PR guy of the day, you know, you're like, okay, whoa, okay. So people didn't like that. Whoa, Jesus, you know, stick with the bread and the loaves thing, but let's simmer down on the take up your cross and eat my body, drink my blood type of thing. Okay, this is not good for public relations. In Luke chapter nine, similarly, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, anyone here desire to come after Jesus? This is rhetorical, by the way. We learned last week what a rhetorical question was. Um, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Follow me. These are big claims. These are big radical calls from Jesus to be a disciple. John tells us, 1 John 2, 6, if you say you abide with Jesus, then you're to walk just as Jesus walked. How did Jesus walk? With reckless abandon, laying his life down for the sake of the kingdom. A disciple multiplies. 
a disciple serves. In John 13, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he says, just as you've seen me do, now you do to one another. Nowadays, we don't so much wash feet, but man, we can go mow a lawn, or we can bake a meal for somebody, or we can go wash a truck, or we can wash our feet, and we sometimes do still do uh, foot washing. A disciple is someone who loves. A disciple is someone who forgives. As Colossians 3 says, we're to bear with one another and forgive one another, even as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. These are all things that a disciple does. Now, who is a disciple? Okay. Some people that are Christians are disciples, and some people that are Christians are not disciples. Does that sound right? No, it doesn't sound right. That's not true. Um, I know, it was a trick question. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Um, every Christian is a disciple, okay? If you're a Christian here today, then you are called to be a disciple. And some people in some circles think that Christians are just kind of uber, or that disciples are kind of uber Christians, like super Christians, you know? That's not the case. In fact, before the name Christian ever came about, the followers of Jesus were called disciples, okay? So anyone who is a Christian is called to be a disciple and to live a life of reckless abandon. Those that trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, and follow Jesus are his disciples, and then they are called to go out and to make disciples of all nations, tribes, and tongues, now, in that Great Commission passage that we read, there's two ways that this is done. And, and Kevin today is really going to get into the how of discipleship and the vision that we have as a church. But just within the context of what we've read today, Jesus says, when you make disciples, you're going to baptize them. And baptism speaks of immersion, that you're immersed into something. If you ever find your identity in something, you immerse yourself in it. I mean, we live in an area where bow hunting is so big. And do guys immerse themselves in bow hunting? Man, they wear camo even when it's not hunting season. They've got the elk on their truck, you know, with the, the little, you know, stickers and, you know, Bowtech and this and that. And they save up and they spend money on that. And that's their vacation. And, you know, sometimes wives don't even get a say in what vacation is. And they immerse themselves in bow hunting, right? Those of you that are really into athletics and running or whatnot, I mean, it's just all about running. You know, those are the shorts that you wear in the summertime. They're running shorts. You got the, the cool, like, Nike Air Fit or whatever it's called. You know, all that stuff, we immerse ourselves in what our identity is. Is that correct? Well, in Jesus, he's saying, if you want to find your identity in Jesus, if you want to be a disciple, immerse yourself in me. Find your identity in me. But then the other thing that he says there, not only baptize them and immerse them so they can make a public confession. You guys remember Scott last week standing down there in the freezing Ochico Creek and we plunged him down and he was saying to the world, I'm immersing myself in Jesus. But Jesus also said, now teach them, teach them. Let them just have the words of God just um, every day part of their life. Like Deuteronomy says, that whether you're walking on the path or whether you're rising up or whether you're eating lunch or whether you're laying your kids to bed, man, just let the words of God, just let all the teachings of the Lord speak forth. Morning, noon, night. It's not compartmentalized. And so a lot of things to speak about that is that every Christian is called to be baptized, called to be immersed in Jesus, called to teach and be taught. And it doesn't matter how old you are, we can all be discipling people. If you got saved yesterday, you can be discipling somebody, okay? Um, it doesn't matter how you know, uh, many kids you have. 
You know, we can't compartmentalize discipleship. Um, but, you know, in everywhere, in every way, whether it's our day off or it's our day of ministry, it's our day of serving, it's our day at work, we're called to make disciples. And this is all, and I'm about to close and Kevin's about to come up, this is all to present men and women mature in Jesus. Let's look at Colossians 1.28. It says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is really the aim of Calvary Chapel of Crook County, is to make disciples, to teach these disciples that we could present everyone perfect in Christ Jesus or mature in Christ Jesus. To this end, Rory, Chad, Kevin, Stuart, Hope, Stephanie, insert your name there, we all labor to this end. No matter what ministry you're involved in or no matter what home fellowship you might attend or core group you're part of, we are laboring to this end to present every man perfect, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. And so that's what this last year of discipleship and core groups has been all about, just wanting to present every man mature in Christ Jesus and to grow them up to the image of Christ. So a year ago, just about a year ago this month, we made a big push for men to count the cost of discipleship, uh, to carry the cross, to deny self within these groups, uh, to commit to every week, week uh, meeting with each other and to making these groups a priority. And we're coming to the end of that year. And, and one of the goals of that was that by the end of this year, that these disciples would be trained and ready to go and have their own group of disciples. It's that concept of multiplication. And so excited to know that we can say there's guys in our groups that are ready to have their own core groups. And then a year from now, they'll have their own core groups and so on and so forth. And more and more men are being equipped and presented mature. And so uh, we want to just take a minute to recognize uh, those people that were part of the men's core groups. Um, some of you had to stop early because of job situations or educational reasons, but you hung in there for a really long time, and we're blessed by that. So if you were part of a guy's core group, uh, will you just stand up right now? We just want to uh, worship the Lord through what he did in your life right now. Um, I know you're out there. I'm looking at you, so don't try to get out of it. All right, praise God. Awesome, guys. Let's give them a hand just for what God did in them this year. So a lot of these guys aren't even here today. Uh, there were about 26 faithful men uh, that made it through this year. Uh, isn't that exciting? 26 men that every week met and got into the word. And Kevin's going to talk about all that we did this last year and all that we plan to do in the year to come. Uh, there were also about six men that led these core groups, and they were part of what's called the hub. And that was kind of the leadership discipleship group. And, and we met, these guys met um, about twice a month at 4.30 in the morning uh, to pray over these core groups and to cast vision for these core groups. And so we just worship God and glorify God for what he did through the uh, core groups as well. Real quickly, um, I know people are kind of thinking, you know, what's the focus on men here? It seems like it's just men. Where are the women's core groups? Um, the women are, are being discipled in other ways. Uh, this year, you know, and we tried to do it with the women. We found just with kids and with, it's just difficult to like, no, oh, you're going to have a core group, you know. Um, but we found that uh, there's other ways that gals are being discipled as well. But today we're going to kind of speak to these core groups and to the next year of men getting involved. 
And the reason for this is we just kind of push men for a little bit um, is that men are to be the heads of the home spiritually. Okay, that's not sexist. It's just order. It's just role. It's just what God gave us in Ephesians chapter 5. Men are to be the head of the home, the head of the wife, and they're to wash their wives in the water of the word. And so as men are being discipled and as men are being poured into, what do they do? They go home and they are to disciple their wives and they are to disciple their children, encourage their wives to get, you know, get mom groups together and just pray for each other and encourage each other and, and get in the word for as short as they get there with the kids pulling on them and whatnot. Also in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see that uh, those men that rule their own house well and have their children in submission with all reverence, that those guys are, are qualified to be elders. And we just see that, man, just that the, the churches should be full of men who are ruling their house well in Jesus. So today we're just going to encourage men to be part of this next year of, of core groups and, um, and also within it blanket just the importance of discipleship as a whole. I think I was supposed to have 10 to 15 minutes on my little part. What do you think, where we were at? 20? 17? Okay. Kevin, come on up, buddy. Good morning. <clears throat> that was weak. Good morning. All right. Yeah. All right. Definitely excited um, to be here this morning to talk about uh, just what's happened a little bit in the, in the last year and, and the year ahead. But um, uh, just, I mean, gosh, you could talk about, we could, we could dissect the word and what a disciple is, how one is made, why even be a disciple. I mean, we could go weeks upon weeks and, and, and the Bible really is, you know, the New Testament is all about making of disciples and what disciples look like and just mature Christians, believers in Jesus Christ. Um, and, and that's, that's why we're here. That's why we in leadership, that's what, that's what our role is here. That's what this church is for is to equip, um, all of you and us. I'm a disciple as well. And I hope that until the day I die, I'm continuing to be made into a disciple of Jesus Christ into a, a mature believer. And so that's our, that's our direction. That's our aim. And the reason why it is, is because mature people worship Jesus, um, and that's what we're here for. We're here to glorify God and to make much of God and to spread his fame and to spread his glory throughout the earth. And, and, and mature believers and disciples of, of Jesus, that's what they do. And we see in the scripture. So that's the reason why we're here. Um, I'm not going to, we, we, we talked about having testimony um, of, of guys in the, in the core groups uh, up here, but we just, uh, there's so much to go over, we wouldn't do that. But I would encourage you guys to talk to some of the guys who have been in the core groups uh, and just ask them how this has been for them. Uh, uh, I think you'll get uh, a wide array of, uh, of, of definitions or, or answers, I guess, of how they've been loved and how they've been grown, uh, and how they're loving people and their shift of focus, maybe in, in church, their shift of focus in life. Uh, what's what God has done for them, uh, done for us. So uh, we're not going to do the testimonies, but I would encourage you to talk to some of those guys and um, like Roy said, there's, there's just a number of guys uh, that took part, I guess 26, uh, and, and we just would, would, would love to have more. And, and this men's discipleship, you guys, it's not the only thing that we do, like Roy was saying. It's not the only avenue that the disciples are being made, but we, we feel strongly of that call to be equipping um, uh, you guys to be equipping this body of people into maturity of Christ. And so that's our vision and direction, and we're just going to try anything that we can 
Uh, this is all just methodology, you know, and we're going to try anything that we can uh, for, the, for the Holy Spirit to teach us, to work in our lives, to grow us together, to unite us as a body, to present this, this body of Christ, this, this bride of Christ, spotless to him and mature believers. So um, we're excited to see what happened uh, this last year. Uh, lives being changed and grown, and so we're going to continue on. We feel like the Lord is is showing us to continue on in this direction of of a press on the men to to um, take time out throughout the week to to be uh, accountable to each other, um, to get together in small groups. Uh, uh, we like to keep the groups if we can around three or four guys. Uh, close intimacy uh, uh, is able to happen there, and and just live uh, together. Um, and then we expect, like Rory said, that those guys would take that to community, would take that to the community, this church as a whole, to their families, to train their families, to train the, the wives, lead the wives and children well. Um, but we, we also know that there's other avenues that discipleship is, is, is taking place. It's exactly what 242 is for. And, and Chad has spoken uh, to that a number of times, the community that's there in 242 that, that raises up men and women uh, alike in, in, uh, into mature believers, into disciples of Christ and uh, just other uh, uh, Bible studies that are going on throughout the week, uh, women's Bible studies. And there's many things in our area of focus, as I said, is that we would present um, all of us uh, to Jesus Christ as mature believers. And so that's our goal. Uh, as Rory said, you know, we're, uh, I'm going to be speaking mostly on how, how a disciple is made. Uh, we could we could spend a lot of time on the what, why, and the how. What a, a disciple is, and Rory covered that. Uh, why be disciples, and just cover that real quickly, uh, because disciples are who glorify God, and that's what the end of man is. Is uh, God made us? God designed us? God created? He started? It's His rule? It's His law? It's His world? And He deserves? He is worthy of all worship. He is worthy of glory, and, and we are those carriers of that worship. We worship God. And so that's why we want to be disciples. Um, so now we're going to spend the time right now, though, on the how. How a disciple is made. And I just want to say um, this may be, you, you guys might not believe or might argue, but we'll take a look in Scripture, or it might just be shocking to you. But a disciple is made only in the context of community. I'll say it again. The, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ is only made in the context or the arena of community. No individualistic disciples, in other words. No, yes, we're all individuals with an individual relationship with Christ, but we see quickly on in our relationship with Christ, we see in Ephesians as it starts out talking to us about we as individuals being saved, we quickly see that we're saved into a body of people. And we're members of one another. Okay, so as we are saved into this body of, of, of believers, we're going to see here in Ephesians that this is the context that we have to be a disciple, to be made into disciples, to be being disciples. It's all about community. So what I want uh, uh, to do today, my goal today, is for you to understand, biblically speaking, that a disciple is only made in the context of community. Okay, so I want you to understand that with your mind. I want you to get that with your mind. And I'm just going to, you know, and that's the Holy Spirit's work. It's his word and it's also his work. And I also just am going to pray 
um, that the Holy Spirit would not just show you that intellectually that's how a disciple is made, but you would long to be made into a disciple. Uh, my, my goal is to, uh, with, the, with the, uh, maybe some of the testimonies that, uh, that we have in, in, in this discipleship core group and the testimonies of this church of people being made into disciples, that this testimony is going to make you jealous if, if, if you don't view the importance of becoming a disciple or the importance of a community. So, so the goal, like I said, is, is that you would grasp it with your head and you would long for it with your heart, that you would want to be a disciple, that you would want to be a disciple made in community. I feel like we have to do a little bit of work here before we get going, and that is this. You, there, there's probably already a pull on you, and maybe a, a turning off. I don't want to hear this. And maybe even starting with what Rory said about that sacrificial kind of life, about that laying oneself down, about picking up your cross, about following Jesus, about dying to self that you don't like. There's probably a, 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 a collide in your heart just hearing the fact that we're going to be talking about community and that a disciple is made in community. There's this, there's this rub that I don't, I don't like that. I don't want that necessarily to be true. I don't want to have to, to, to give up my life. I don't want to have to live that way. Let me just start off by saying that that's how you were made, okay? In, in, in the beginning, so if we just go quickly back to the, to the narrative of the Bible, uh, God made everything perfect, okay? Man was perfect, the world perfect, everything in it, shalom, peace, perfection, okay? Man sinned in the garden, and, and sin entered the world. So everything thereafter that man touches is affected by sin. And we see the result of sin quickly on in, in uh, Genesis is that all relationships are broken. And relationships consist of me and others. And they're all fractured. They're all broken. So me to all people and me to God, everything's broken. Everything's fractured. And the reason why is because sin introduced horrific self-absorption. So what we got was we're very self-centered people. All I really care about is me. All I really want is what I'm after. All I really care about is me. It's my selfish nature. It's my fleshly nature. It's completely opposed to God. It's completely opposed to people. It's all about me. Okay, so that's sin. That's who all of you are in your flesh. That's who I am in my flesh. And then the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ came to die for us to live a perfect life that we couldn't, a selfless life that we couldn't and wouldn't live, that if we would believe in him, we would have hope of an everlasting life, reconciling with God the Father. Okay, so we have to go back there and we have to realize that you and I are very selfish people. All this sin that we have is defined by the selfishness that's within us. If we, didn't, if we weren't selfish, we wouldn't sin. We're very self-absorbed people, okay? And because you're selfish, when you hear things like dying to self, your sin nature is at war with the Spirit of God in you, if you have the Spirit of God in you. Does not want to hear that, does not want to follow that, does not want to believe that, that the Bible would say that, that we actually would die to self. 
Does not like to hear that, that we are going to do this in the context of community. I want to do it how I want to do it. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I'm going to do things my way. I don't like people that well. So right from the get-go, you, you need to understand that's who you are, and that's the spirit that's inside you, that fleshly spirit that does not want to even listen to what Rory or I had to say, what the Word of God has to say about becoming a disciple. So know that right now. You don't like that. Your spirit, your fleshly spirit doesn't like that. It's opposed to that. And Jesus Christ came to expose that spirit, that fleshly spirit, the deceitfulness that that spirit carries that says, I'm God, I can do it, I can make my own way. And Jesus comes to show us that, no, you can't. You can't make your own way. Your own way leads to destruction, leads to despair, leads to eternal damnation and hell forever. Your own way is what messed this whole thing up to begin with. Your way is not good. My way, Jesus says, is good. It's the only way. I am the only way, the truth, and the life, right? John 14, 6 says Jesus Christ. So listen to me, follow me, walk with me. And I say all that to say this because you're not going to want to hear, some of us aren't going to want to hear that this takes place in, in, in community, that the Bible calls us that disciples are only made in community, only made in community. Mature people are only made in community. And that's what we're all after. And because you're a sinner, because I'm a sinner, that follows me everywhere I go, that selfish nature that I have. So when I enter into this church, guess what? Come with me. My, my, my sin nature, my fleshly nature, my, my nature that says I want this to be all about me and how I'm going to do church, and how I'm going to live in this church, what I'm going to participate, what I'm not going to participate in. That dang flesh goes with me everywhere, and it confuses me as to what truth is, and it pulls at me, because it is opposed to God. It is opposed to the, to the uh, Spirit of God, as Galatians 5 tells us. And so when you think about becoming a disciple, being made into a disciple, first you're going, I don't even know if I want to. I don't even know if I really want the depths of what that is. Maybe the heights of what that really is, right? That'd be more of an accurate way to say it. And I really don't like the way that it's designed, that it's going to be in community and all this sacrificial living. Okay, let's get going. First thing that we're going to understand is that Jesus Christ Made So I'm not, this isn't just me saying this. We're going to understand through the Gospels. We're not going to go through all this because of limited time. But Jesus Christ made disciples in the context of community, right? We know that there's 12 of them, primarily 12 of them, of, of, of his disciples that he was very, very close with. Okay, and what do we see? That, that he taught them once a week and then walked away and they did their own life and we came back and we taught. No, no, what we saw is, is, is life on life is kind of what we've described it in, in our core groups. Life on life, life being lived out together. So, so Jesus is around these guys as he's trying to shape them into what, what truthful living is, truthful understanding is, trying to shape them into their joy There's all kinds of things going on. He traveled with them. He eats with them. He serves them. They work together. 
He corrects them. He teaches them. They're, they're, they, they teach in, in, in uh, circles of, you know, of a lot of people, and he pulls them aside, and he specifically gets with them. They spend all kinds of time together. So we see that just, just real quickly that Jesus' context for our model to make disciples is in community. It's in life lived out together. It's in time spent together. Because it's in that time spent together that you get to see who people are, the mistakes that they make, the, the thought patterns that they have. Because whatever you believe to be true is how you're going to live. If you believe that alcohol is the way to deal with uh, hurt and pain in this, in this life, when alcohol, or when you get hurt and pain in this life, you're going to fall into alcohol. If you believe that your authority is the most popular authority, when somebody comes against you, you're going to strike back down at them because your authority. If you believe that everything's about you, then when somebody comes against you and does something against you, you're going to be angry at them. So how you think to be true, how you think life should be is exactly how you'll live. So knowing that, Jesus lived with these guys because they had wrong thoughts about life and how to live. And he was going to be correcting that. He was going to be helping them to see the self-centeredness that they carried with them in everything that they did. You don't see that if you're not in community. If we come here on one Sunday, uh, 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 you know, say every Sunday, um, and, and we ask each other how we're doing, oh, we're doing good, and then we go about our business, and, and we get some good teaching in, and we get some good worship in. That, that's good, and, that, and that's great. We need to participate in that. But the reality of it is there's, there's no discipling taking place because there's no correction taking place. There's no life living out together taking place. So we see that this life on life, what Jesus has modeled to us to raising up people into understanding and to living truth. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. We're going to see this life on life played out. We're going to see how it is that Disciples are made. We're going to see this in the context of a community of believers. Let's read that. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, we're only going to read a few verses here, 11 through 16. So I want you to, to listen fully at the context of community, okay? Listen to how this is developed out in a community of people. I want you to listen to that as I'm reading. And then my job is going to be to break this down into the how, into the how this is, into, into three parts, and how it is that we're made into disciples. But I want you to listen to this context of where it is in this, in this context of a, a body of believers. Okay, starting in verse 11. And he, that'd be Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint 
with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see there the, the, almost like the making of a church, the beginning of a church, leaders, people that are equipped, people that are called to be able to teach, to grow. And we see it, you know, kind of five verses there, 11 through 16. So yeah, I guess five verses there. It, it, it uh, um, culminates into a, a body of people that love each other. Okay, so the, so the first thing that we want to see, I want to take us through three understanding, three points here in how a disciple is made in this body of believers, okay? And the first thing that we're going to see is how a, a disciple is made is that um, a disciple is made through teaching of sound doctrine. The second thing that we're going to see is that a disciple is made and matured through accountability and repentance. And then thirdly, we're going to see that a disciple is made, that a person is matured in community by using their gifts from God. Okay? So first off, sound doctrine. Look at verses 13 and 14. Starting with 13, it says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we see here that when you're in the body of Christ, Looking back further in verse 11 even, saying that, that Jesus has equipped us with teachers, with preachers, people who can help, people who know and understand doctrine. And as we gather together in the body of Christ, we're going to have teachers and we're going to have hearers, right? And the people that are hearing are going to be understanding what this word of God says. Because God has gifted people to be teachers, to be discerners of his word. And so what we want to do to be able to, if we want to be able to be matured into the body of Christ, if we want to be able to be matured into Jesus, then we need to have somebody that's preaching Jesus, right? And then we want to hear that. We want to understand that because what can happen and what's happened in other cults and uh, other cults, I suppose, uh, is that... Uh, People get into their own understanding. People may even be reading the Bible and, and going off in their own, own understanding because they don't, they don't bring that back into a context of community to go, what do you think the Bible says? What is this saying here? People don't use other people that, that you know, even from the past, these other teachers that we, we use as leaders. We use a lot of other teachers that today we listen to sermons. We read a lot of books. We get a lot of help to try to understand what it is that, that this Bible is saying. And we bounce this guy off this. You know, we don't just listen to Calvary Chapel, the nomination. We listen to people all over the place. People we don't even agree with to try to understand what it is that God's saying to us. Because if we don't, and we just get off on our own tangent, if we just get off and we read the Bible, we can read only the Bible, which is good, right? The Bible is where all truth consists. But if we get by ourselves and we only read the Bible, what can happen is that we start interpreting things totally incorrectly, not knowing what God is saying to us, and it starts leading us off down this road of wrong kind of thinking about God, wrong kind of living. And so God has equipped the church 
with people who discern the word of God, and together we all can grow in doctrine. And, and, and reading these verses, it says that we all would mature, right, into the manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no longer children that are tossed to and fro, so that all of us, so it's not just the leaders, well, only you guys can get the doctrine. No, it's that all of us understand that, and all of us grow together, and that's only going to happen when we're together, when we're teaching each other, when we're learning. When we're hearing. And so you might say, okay, so that's what Sunday's about. That's all, all Sunday. Sunday is a huge part of that, yes. But you know what else is a huge part of that? Community. Let me explain. We've been talking about suffering, right? We've been talking about suffering and how it uh, is real and how it affects us and how hard it is and, and where Jesus at is in where, where's Jesus at in the middle of it. So Rory gets up here and teaches us that um, that Jesus is in suffering, that he suffered. No one suffered more than him. So he understands us where we're at. This world is subjected to futility. It's going to happen. There's different avenues in, uh, of, of suffering. It could be what, what you brought on yourself, but it could simply just be you know, cancer, it could be a, a, a national or a natural catastrophe, anything. There's suffering in this world. There's difficulty, the pains, the physical pains that we go through. So he can get up here and he can teach you about that. And that's going to be very helpful. But you know what else is really helpful? When you actually get to live that out in an area, in, in the context of community. When you get to actually see people maybe in your home group or in your discipleship group that are going through it, because I may not be going through it right now, but what I can do is I can witness somebody else going through it. I can see how God can, can help them and shape them and how people come around them and what this means. And is, it does, it, does it really work if we just simply trust in Jesus during these difficult times? I can learn that through somebody else. My brother, who actually isn't a part of my community, but he's still a part of my family, lives down in California and, and hearing of the, of the very difficult news that, that maybe his eight-year-old son has got brain cancer. And, and, and to watch them, to see, is, is Jesus really enough in those times? Is he really enough? Does he really come around you? Does he really draw you near to him? But see, that's not my trial. It's his but now I'm experiencing it with him. And we experience trials here with you guys, with Angela and the hurt that she's going through and how people are loving her and coming around her. So our theology actually gets sharpened in the context just of living out community. What, what I've noticed, what's helped me a tremendous amount, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but there. There's, there's a lot of marriages struggling in this church. You guys know how much that's done for me in sharpening me and helping me and telling, hey, Kevin, pay attention to this. It says it here, and I got it intellectually, but when I'm in a community and I see my brothers and sisters hurting and going through stuff, I go, okay, God, teach me here. What do you want to say to me? So I'm learning. And I'm growing in that. I mean, you can ask my wife the, the difference that it's made in me just in the last couple months. Just witnessing struggling marriages. And we love you and we're praying for you. And hopefully God will encourage you. But man, boy, it does something to me. 
And, and we as leadership, I mean, it's affected all of us and we're all being drawn together and going, what do we do here? First, we gotta look at us, right? So the word of God in community shapes our thinking, shapes our understanding of who he is, how big he is. You don't get that when you're off by yourself and you have no idea what else is going on in this body of people. You don't get that. So when suffering comes your way and you've never seen anybody else suffer well, it just might be a a lot bigger struggle than it had to be had you watched somebody else suffer well. And the other piece of that that I want to say is remember in the beginning when I told you how self-centered we were? That helps to break that down. When When I... think this world's all about me, when I'm so self-absorbed, when I, and, and, and this world, and I'm off by myself, and all I can think about are my difficulties, my problems, and everything's about me. When I get into a body of people, and I understand there's real hurt, and there's real pain everywhere, that starts to chisel away at the self-centeredness that I carry around. So God's loving me well by sticking me in this body of people. He's chipping off some of that stuff that needs to be gone, that self-centered nature. And he does this in a body of community. Okay, so secondly, need to get going here. Uh, accountability and repentance. Let's look at verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Stop right there. Speaking the truth in love. Okay. If that's going to benefit this body, we know we as speakers, hang with me just for a second here. So, so we as a speaker, we as anybody, anybody who's speaking to somebody, if this is going to benefit and grow up the body of Christ, it isn't just me that I'm the speaker, right? And I just speak things and I'm just all knowledgeable. It's, no, it's going to be beneficial to the hearer, right? And that's what this is saying. Uh, the connection here is that there's going to be a hearer. So there's a speaker and a hearer. So in this body of Christ, as we're all being made into disciples, there's people who are willing to speak truth, and then there's people who hear it, who absorb it, who take it, who listen to that. That's what this text is saying. That's going to breed humility in the hearer, to hear what they're possibly doing wrong for that little bit of rebuke or correction or exhortation. That helps understand the direction that I was going. I thought I was doing this and someone comes alongside me gently and loves me and says, hey buddy, um, that's probably not good. You shouldn't be treating your wife that way. You shouldn't be saying that to your coworkers. You shouldn't be cheating like that. It's not good. Even that little lie. And so we get loved and we get helped and we get corrected. Speaking the truth in love. How many of you are willing to speak the truth in love? How many of you are willing to see something going wrong, something going awry, just like Paul saw with Peter in Galatians 2? He witnessed conduct that was opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, so he spoke. How many of you, when you witness conduct opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, how many of you are willing to speak? 
How many of you love your neighbor well enough to speak to them? That's a hard thing. And that's probably one of the most difficult things about being an elder is we don't get the option. <laughs> you know, We've got to address things. And sometimes it's my sin. But we love each other well by speaking to each other. Because see, Hebrews 3.13 tells me that um, if, if I'm left to my own understanding, if I'm le- it says, exhort each other every day while today is still called today, that the de- deceitfulness, how about if we turn there before I embarrass myself here? I'll get there quickly. If I get it wrong, we could, we could be going up a different tree here. Okay, so, uh, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort each other every day as long as it's called today so that the deceitfulness that you carry inside of you I have people correcting me and loving me and telling me what's right and true about Jesus and who I am, exposing the sin that's within inside of me so that I'm not hardened by the deceitfulness that's in me. And if I'm not around that, if I don't hear that, if I don't have help from that, I'm being hardened by who I think I am, how great I am, and who I am as a person, and the direction that I'm going in life. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm hardened by that. And I'm blinded and I can't see out. I need you. I need people to love me well enough to say, Kevin, that's not right. Because this tells me that I've got wickedness inside of me. And if left to my own, I will mess it all up. I need help. And so do you. You're not amazing. You're a sinner and your bent is self. And that's me too. We need each other. We need to be lovers of people that we would speak it and we also need to hear it. And that only happens in the context of community, right? And not only that, (laughs) once again, how hard does that chisel away at your selfishness? So isn't God loving us really well when he sticks us in a body of people and that body of people will say those kinds of things and help me out to see who I am so I can love and worship him in truth? Okay, third point. A disciple is made and is matured, brought up in Christ when we're all taking part in using our gifts. Look at verse 16. Let me start it in 15 so it reads more fluid. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So we're held together by every joint. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the, the, the gifts that we are and it compares uh, we people as to, to a body, to a, a physical body, and that we're, we're, we're a hand and we're a foot and we're a, we're a leg and an arm and every part of the body. And Jesus Christ is the head. In the beginning, you remember in verse 11, it talks about people who are uh, different um, 
people with different giftings and evangelists and apostles and prophets and shepherds and teachers. And so it starts out with people using their gifts, speaking the truth, and it just keeps rolling with people using their gifts that the body has been given by God. Listen to this. From whom the whole body, verse 16 again, joined and held together by every joint, that's every one of you, with which it is equipped. That sentence right there tells me this group of people, this local body of Christ has every piece of the body of Christ right here, right now. That's my theology, that we are equipped enough by God with giftings that if we all use and exercise our gifts, we will grow up into the fullness, into the maturity that God has intended for us right here. All of you have gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 goes over that as well. We're all gifted. This one's pretty obvious that it requires a community of people. How could we possibly use our gifts on our own? Doesn't even make any sense at all. The last part of verse 16 says that makes us makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the ending of this is love. So how this body is, is, is equipped, is held together, is grown, is not only in the truth of God's word. It's not only in being accountable and loving each other and correcting each other and hearing well and teaching well and speaking well is by using our gifts that God has given us. You guys, this is what demonstrates Jesus's kind of love. We say, well, I love people. I love people really well. I love, I love Jesus and I love people. Jesus's kind of love is completely was, when he was here as a man on this earth, was completely sacrificial. He considered everybody better than himself. Philippians chapter 2 tells us. Others were always before him. Everything was sacrificial. This is how you tell if you love people. Do you sacrifice yourself for people? Do you use your gifts for the body of Christ? That self-centeredness that's in us is fighting this one really hard. I love people really well. I, I, I'm not mean to people. You know, I don't run people off the road. I don't cuss at my people at work. I don't beat my wife. I don't kick the dog. But do you use your gift that God has given you? Do you love that well? Do you love like Jesus? Do you sacrificially go? It's not my life anymore. It's not my time anymore. I'm saved into a body of people and I'm a member of that body. Do you love like that? Because Jesus says, that's how you'll love if you're my disciple. During this time, it's been pretty cool. We've seen some guys really step up in these core groups to serving this body 
We've seen guys take over children's ministry, that that's his calling. Anthony stepped into that. Nate stepped into the role of, of uh, seeing that, that he's a really handy guy, and, and I'm going to be willing to step in and, 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 and um, do the, uh, the helping hands ministry. Adam's jumped into sound. Justin at, at greeting. I mean, I, there's, there's so many of you guys, and please don't be offended if I forgot. I just wanted to name a few of the guys that are in things that are stepping up to the call of Christ to, to, to love this body. You know, what was really awesome is, is uh, Kenny Box talking with him. And, and this just kind of says it. This just kind of, you know, brings out an understanding of what God has for us. So, um, Living in the context with, with Kenny as he's in our discipleship group and, and, and a part of 242 and, you know, here on Sundays typically. And so spending time with that family, uh, we went camping with them. We've seen baseball games with them. We've intentionally, you know, with our core groups, we're kind of spending a tight amount of time, you know, a decent amount of time, I should say, in a tight group, you know, so five or six here, five or six there, you know, kind of like 242 groups are doing. And, and so that we can't be, you know, we can't do this with everybody as much as we'd love to. So we're kind of just like, okay, let's make sure that nobody is left out that, that really wants and longs for discipleship, that wants this connectivity that we're talking about in community. So Kenny's just one of the guys that, that, that I'm with. And, and so, just, just witnessing Kenny being around him. That guy is so gifted for children. I can talk about him because he's not here. Um, so I'm not trying to elevate him up, but just what God has done, it kind of shows us this. And I just told Kenny, you know, just last week and being around him and seeing that, noticing that because I've been around him quite a bit. He's like, Kenny, you, you, you do things I can't do with kids. I'm not like that. Even if I wanted to be, if you gave, you wrote it out for me and go, Kevin, here's some directions. He, he can, he's, Every kid loves that guy. Little kid, babies to big. I mean, he's just, he's a bunch of fun and he loves them. I was at a baseball game uh, watching Riley and this guy comes up and he's like, hey, Kenny, just uh, um, wanted to let you know that my, my grandsons were on your team last year. And, and um, just, just want you to know that it, it's, it's kind of hard on them. Their parents are kind of hard on them being, you know, they got to be all good and everything. And, and I just want you to know that they really, really enjoyed being on your team. You made it really fun. I just want to thank you for that, what you did in my grandson's lives. So I see this and I recognize this, and so I go, Kenny, you know, this is, this is you. And he goes, wow, that's pretty amazing. He's smiling as I'm telling him. He's like, that's amazing. Uh, see, Carrie and I were praying about this last night. I told Carrie, I said, I think the Lord's calling me into children's ministry. It's like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Of course he is, you know. And, but he said, he said, you know, when Ryan and Andrew were here, we went to dinner one time at their house. And he said, we, we ate there and I played with their kids. And Andrew said, Kenny, have you ever thought about children's ministry? I think you're gifted. And he said, he remembers thinking, no, no, no this isn't for me. He said, you see, cause you see back then I was just attending church. I didn't care about other people. See, this was just for me. I didn't want to be a part. I didn't want to use my gift. I'm kind of going on further what he was saying, but this is what he was saying, that it was all about me. He said, now it's different. I want to be used by God in this body. I think he showed an understanding of what it is and a changed heart by God. 
You guys, if you're here today, which you are, I guess that was kind of dumb, right? So I don't even have that. I have you are here today. Why did I say if? Okay, so you're here today, and um, <laughs> see, Rory tries to be funny. I just have to screw up, and then I'm funny. <laughs> You're here today because there's people that are using their gifts that God has given. There's greeters here that take time to, to come in early to be here to greet you. The sound people, they, they come and practice on Thursdays. They get here early. They want it to sound really good for you. And I know that sometimes it's too loud. Sometimes it's too quiet. Sometimes it's whatever. They're doing the best job that they can. The people with the words back there trying to make everything just right. People that make the bulletin. Just so you can have announcements and probably throw it away and forget about it. Come in here early throughout the week to make announcements. People that make up the phone book, the directory. There's people that keep this place clean. People that wash everything and scrub the floors. That touch up things. Places you haven't even been in. There's people that have a heart for the library so that you guys could all be equipped with, with books about Jesus and about understanding God and knowing God. And so made this elaborate library. There's people in nursery that are taking care of your children so you can be equipped for the ministry. And there's people that are teaching your kids that have come to that call that are teaching your kids to become little disciples. People with hospitality to come and make coffee early, to come and prepare communion. And of course, there's the people that teach you that Rory would get up here and, 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 and press into the word of God diligently so that we can hear what God has to say to us. I mean, there's all kinds of gifts, and I probably even forgot some, but you're here today enjoying what God is doing in your life because other people have stepped up to the call. Can't forget the worship team, right? Love those guys and what they do. So thankful because I, I, I couldn't, there's nothing I could do up here. It would just be worthless. And I love that. I love to worship God in music. I absolutely love it. And so I am so thankful that those guys have not only been gifted that way, but they're following through with that gift. All of that, pretty obvious, like I said, is in the context of community. You guys, and we read... At the end of this, verse 16, that it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what this culminates into. Into a group of people that are just crazy about God, just love the heck out of each other, that go through life together, good times, bad times, sharpen each other, correct each other, just, just absolutely love each other. And that's what we want this to be about. We want you guys to love each other so well that as Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35, you're gonna, they're going to know that you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. By the way that you love each other, they're going to know that you followed me, that I was your teacher. Because see, that's what I spent this time doing was loving everybody so sacrificially, putting everybody else's needs up above mine. I loved people. They might not agree that I call myself God too, that I'm son of God, that I came to say, but they all know that I spent my time loving people. 
Everybody knows that. And when you do that, when you love each other sacrificially, when you serve each other, when you cry together, when you rejoice together, when you live life together, they're going to know you've been with me. And they're going to call you a disciple of Jesus Christ by the way that you love each other. Man, we could spend hours and hours and hours and passages and sermons on this point right here. You can't love God without loving people. First John tells us that. You cannot love God without loving people. Don't buy into that lie. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Because the story of the gospel is you're wicked. You're deserving of death. You are a God-hater, a God-belittler, and a God-mocker. And so is everybody else. But Jesus died for you. But God, right? But God loved you. See, Isaiah, when he saw that picture of God in Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the full view of God, this visual of God, and how glorious and how mighty he was, what did he say? Woe is me. Because see, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't belong with you. You and me, we're not like each other. And what else does he say? I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So he wasn't tattling on them. He wasn't going, God, look at them. He was saying, God, we all are different than you. We're really, really different than you. This, you guys, should be about a getting together of a people who realize we should be in hell, who realize that every day I come against God in my sin, in my self-centeredness, and so I get together with a whole bunch of other people struggling with their selfishness and declare God is holy and mighty, able to save, and worthy of my love. It makes no sense at all if I don't want to get together with anybody else. I want to do this on my own. I don't want to look around and help anybody else out. I don't want to see anybody else because they're not good. I'm worthy. They're not. It makes no sense. The Bible says you can't love God if you don't love people. All of this discipleship is brought forth in the context of community. I want you to see that biblically, and I want you to know it with your mind, intellectually. But man, I want that to penetrate your heart. I want you to see how that benefits you. See, what's really ironic in conclusion here, the thing that we're after, we're so selfish and I just want me. I just want to be great. I just want to be, I want to, I just want to have joy and happiness. I want this whole thing to be about me. And I'm going to go get me some, whatever that means, whatever that is. I don't want to help anybody else. You know what's really ironic? When you dive into what Jesus Christ has offered you, a life in this body of people, you've got it way better than that person that doesn't want it. That person will never find happiness outside of this. No joy. They'll go through suffering and trial and pains all by themselves. In a time of trouble, there's no one there to help. Why would you want that? So it's ironic 
That in your goal, in your striving, even sometimes as a believer, to be self-centered and do it your way and to be apart from everybody else, you know what's ironic? Is the people who have given and given and given and believe and have bought into to community and loving each other, they're happier than you'll ever be. They get more than you ever will. See, they get loved really well. Had a guy tell me, he just recently joined a discipleship group, and he said, I'm a selfish person. I've never really liked to be around community. I've never really enjoyed that. But he's going through some difficult things in his life. He said, I came running to God. I don't know if these difficulties are going to get cleared up. I don't know if things are going to get better. But one thing I will tell you, I will never leave the community of the body of Christ again. That's ridiculous. I didn't know what I was missing. I'm so plugged in. I'm so, I, I, with, with just different things, just around people that love Jesus. And I want that. And I, need, I didn't know how much people loved me. I didn't know how God loved me through people. I want that. I, I didn't know what I was missing. I was off here doing God, God on my own, just you know, occasionally coming to church. I didn't know how much better it could be. It's unbelievable. We had another guy talk to another guy. He's discipling. He's trying to make a disciple out of somebody that doesn't even know God. And, he, and you know what he says to God? I don't know what to tell you, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you something. If you go and hang out with the people that I hang out with, it'll change your life. He said, just trust me. Changes everything. I don't know what it is. Well, it's God. It's God. But going out with these people, they love you unbelievably well. Had a guy say in, in our 242 group, he said, you know, okay, tell us a little, well, where have you come? And some of you might remember this that were there. And he said, well, um, my family and I, we kind of just used the church to get money, to get stuff. Didn't really care about the people. Probably didn't really care about God. But we just kept coming and, and the church just kept giving and we kept coming and they kept giving and we knew what we were doing. I think they knew what we we're doing. But he said, God just worked on my heart. It's like, I've never known that. You see, these people loved me different. I've been to a lot of other churches and when they caught on that we were using them, they said, see you later, get out of here, don't do it. I'm not trying to preach a sermon on how to do this exactly, but what he said is this place was different because people kept giving and kept loving and kept giving and kept loving and it changed my heart. I saw for the first time that Jesus was loving me. And we're not perfect here, right? I and mean, we in leadership aren't perfect here. We fail at this stuff all the time. But we see it happening. We want all of you guys to buy into that because it blesses you. More joy is had in community more worship of God takes place in community because we're brought closer to the image of Christ. <laughs> Went way over. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know how long Rory was going to be. This was a, anyway, so this is a one-time deal. Sorry that we're this long. <laughs> you better make it quick next week. <laughs> we won't have anybody. Okay, so to wrap this up, as far as like what we're doing, we're going to have sign-up sheets in the back, you guys, for the men, okay? If you haven't been a part of a discipleship group and you'd like to, please go sign up in the, Roy, we got one back there, right? Okay, so, so go sign up back there, and uh, yes, I, I would like to do this, and, 
and uh, we'd like to get you plugged in. We're gonna just keep rolling on. Uh, I think July 1st, we're going to, or the beginning of July, first Sunday in July probably, gonna be uh, telling you the new groups that, have, uh, that, that are made. And we like to encourage every guy that has time to be able to do it. They meet at different times throughout the week. Um, you know, some meet in the morning, some meet in the evening. Um, and, and what we typically do uh, is we, you know, we, we study the word of God together and we confess and repent sin, just kind of this threefold thing here. Uh, and then we, we encourage each other to use our gifts in the body. And then we believe that that's going to be taken. Men are going to be made into disciples and men are going to take that to their workplaces and every area of their life is going to be touched. Um, and then so we're going to be teaching and preaching the gospel and everywhere that we're at. So um, I know that we didn't really get into the all the, uh, the description of everything. If you have any questions about what men's discipleship is, uh, there's Chad, there's Rory, uh, Stu was a leader. Any other leaders in here? Um, so, so go and grab, or, or talk to just one of the guys that was in a group and just ask guys, okay, what's this about? What's going on? What, what are we talking about? Just really like to encourage you guys to uh, be a part of a group. And as we said in the beginning, this is just one of the things that we're doing. It doesn't mean you're not a disciple if you don't come be a part of this. Everything that we do, hopefully, is making disciples from the women's ministry to the children's ministry to the men's ministry, the ministry of the, all of the congregation. So just thank you guys for allowing us to get up here. Thank you for listening, uh, even though we've gone long today. Just really love you guys, and we have a heart. Um, that you guys would become disciples, not so that we get some kind of a, a pat on the back when we get to heaven and well done, you leadership for making people mature in Christ, not to impose some kind of a guilt trip on you and go, you're not a good enough Christian if you don't. But you guys, I know and believe and see that mature people love Jesus and have so much joy. And we want you all, we want all of us to, to grow in our maturity. I love being around people because you know what helps me out? keeps my focus is when I'm around people and it keeps me focused in on the truth of what is life. And that is, you know what perspective is, you know what, there might be difficulties here, but Jesus can help me face them. And it keeps my perspective of what's coming, right? What's coming, what's ahead. When I'm around people that are talking about Jesus, that are worshiping Jesus, that are loving Jesus, it keeps my mind on Jesus and focus on him and heaven and a kingdom mindset and the things on this planet seem to fade. So it really helps me. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. Uh, God, just to be able to hopefully portray your heart, Lord, to um, all of us that, that you would have us to grow inside a, uh, the context of a community of people loving each other, growing up in, in, in the word growing in, in repentance and accountability, using our gifts, God, that we would understand what it is and how it works and why and all the things about it, God, that we get, that we would understand, Father, that, that, that we get you, that we love you, and that we're more joyous as a disciple. We're more worshipful as a disciple. And the world needs to see disciples, Lord, because disciples love Disciples love you and they love each other. God, make us into disciples. This is, this is what we feel you calling us to do, Lord. If you want us to do something different, change it, mess it all up, whatever you want, God. But we want to be disciples. We want to know and love and worship you. We want everybody else to as well. Bless this little family of people here, Lord, in our local body. 
God, we love you and we praise you for anything that you'll do to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, next Sunday we'll be in the park, right? And um, you have any questions about anything? Just come on up. Oh, God bless you guys. We love you. You've been listening to the teaching ministry at Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Primeville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon, 97754. Or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.